So we've got Acts there, haven't we? So if we start in Acts chapter 7, I've spoken briefly from this before. I want to bring, take out a few verses. This is Stephen who was sent for and brought before the chief priests because they didn't like him. They didn't like him because he'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit and was preaching the gospel and doing many miracles amongst the people and therefore the Jewish religious people didn't like him because they thought they were in charge and not God and this is the trouble with religion one of the main problems they think they're in charge instead of God so you come down there to verse 44 taken from what he was saying to these chief priests these rabbis who thought they were in charge and thought that they controlled Jerusalem and the worship and yet to do what they said. So he's quoting from, the hist from his own history of the Jewish people, the Israelites. Our fathers, in verse 44, had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen which also our fathers that came after brought in with Joshua you might have Jesus same word same truth Hebrew Yoshia into the possession of the Gentiles whom God drave out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle or a habitation a dwelling place for the God of Jacob but Solomon built him a house how be it the Most High dwells not in temples made with hands as says the prophet heaven now he's quoting the prophet Isaiah 66 which we'll look at in a minute heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool where the house or what house will you build me saith the Lord or what is the place of my rest hath not my hands made all these things and so he goes on and he eventually when he's they got so angry with him that they attacked him and threw him out and stoned him to death the point he was making is that God doesn't dwell with temples made by hands if you go down opposite the um, the maze the Marie there's a building opposite there and at the top of it it's I think it it says temple or it's referred to as a temple God doesn't dwell in temples made by hand 
So even though David had this desire in his heart to make a dwelling place for God, a habitation for the God of Jacob, Solomon made God a house known as Solomon's temple, which was destroyed. And as you will know, and then Herod decided he'd build one. But anyway, God doesn't dwell in them. Hallelujah. So we're going to look in 66 of Isaiah, which uh, Stephen quoted there. So we'll go back to in the prophet, book of the prophet Isaiah. And it's right at the very end, chapter 66 of the prophet's writings. The last chapter. Okay, so chapter 66, this is what he quoted, this is what Stephen quoted when he said, God does not dwell in temples made by hand. So verse 1, thus saith the Lord. Now this is God speaking. The word, what it says in the authorised version, the word Lord, if it's in capital letters, it means Jehovah or the the ever-existing one who exists on his own, doesn't need anyone else to help him exist. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne. Oh, that should be heavens, it's plural. The earth, my footstool. Where is the house that you will build unto me or for me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things have my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this, I've got man in my version, but to this one will I look to him that is poor and contrite of spirit or of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. That's all I want to read. There's lots more connected with that. But this is the one to whom I will look. I don't dwell in temples and places made by hand. I've made all these things already so I don't need you to make something for me what he's saying but to this one will I look to the one it says even to him in the authorization but authorized but many of those words are in, in italic but to this one will I look him that's poor and contrite in spirit so you notice here I've got the word poor what it means is humble or lowly. That should ring a bell as soon as you see those words, humble and lowly. So the word poor, if you wanted to translate it more clearly, and contrite means smitten or stricken. They should also ring a bell in your heart if you know your Bible. So who was 
poor, who was humble and lowly. Chapter 5 of Matthew. Shouldn't really need to turn to it because it's such a well known verse. What they call the Beatitudes. So Jesus is saying here in chapter 5 of Matthew, Blessed are the poor, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit. So who, to whom is God looking? To whom is God looking? We just read it in Ezekiel, sorry, in Isaiah. I'm going through my pages and Ezekiel came in front of my eyes. To this one will I look. To him that is poor and contrite of spirit. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed or happy you might have are the poor, and that's plural, poor, those who are poor in spirit for theirs. And that's emphatic because I keep saying when I read my Bible, because I've got one of these lovely Bibles that shows you when words are emphasized in the original. So, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if you want to know who the kingdom of heaven is for, it's for those who are humble and lowly, contrite, we look at which is smitten or stricken. I'll bring that out a bit more shortly. So that's what Jesus was referred into the kingdom of heaven okay is for those that are poor in spirit and of course I could immediately ask you are you poor in spirit okay which means to be humble and lowly Jesus said come unto me all you that are heavy burdened labor and I will give you rest for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your souls so there is no rest for any human spirit unless it's lowly humble poor theirs is the kingdom of heaven so how do we get lowly? Because when we're born, we're certainly not lowly in heart. I don't know if you were when you were born. I certainly wasn't. And any honest person will know that they've got a proud heart. They've got a wicked heart. And as the scripture teaches very clearly about the heart in Jeremiah, how wicked it is. Who can know it? So... If in our spirits we're not 
poor, humble and lowly, that is, we cannot be in the kingdom of heaven. I want you to go right back into Genesis chapter 32. And we're going to look at a man that God changed. And we all need to be changed by God. It is a presumption and a wicked presumption to think that we don't need to be. So we're going a little bit of story here. I take it you know who Jacob was. I take it you know whose son he was. Isaac's son. And he'd gone off to find himself a wife. And he met Rachel, or Rachel met him. He served for seven years, this man, her, her father called Laban, so he might have Rachel as his wife. And then Laban decided, no, you're going to, and he gave, her Le gave him Leah, not Rachel. He ended up with the wrong woman. The wrong wife, not the wife he wanted. So then he served for another seven years and eventually Rachel became his wife. And then you have all these children of Jacob, the sons of Israel as they became known. So let me pick up the story, if I can. Now, this man was a supplanter. You see that word there? Jacob. He was a crook. That's what his name means. Jacob was a crook. He was crooked. He was a crook. And Jacob was also can be translated as supplanter. So where are we going to go? Verse 21, chapter 32. Because he, um, Joseph, not Joseph, because Jacob had stolen Esau's birthright, Esau, uh, he thought, was very angry and he was going to kill him. So he was going back home. Now, having served for 14 years to get his wife, Rachel, they were going back home now to the land where they were before. And he sent gifts before him to appease Esau, or hoping to appease him, because he had stolen his birthright. And you can find that uh, in chapter 25. Let's just look at it first before we go any further. In chapter 25 of Genesis. And verse 21. So chapter 25 and verse 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord 
was entreated by him and Rebecca his wife conceived and the children struggled in within her and she said if it is so why am I thus and she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said to her two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels and the one people shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled behold the twins they were twins in her womb and the first came out red all over like a hairy garment and they called him Esau which means red literally what it means red and after that came his brother out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel and his name was called Jacob which as I say means supplanter that's literally what the word means and he's called supplanter Jacob because he grabbed hold of Esau's heel and Isaac was three score years old when she bore them and the boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter and a man of the field and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents and Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison but Rebekah loved Jacob and Jacob sod pottage we have in the authorised version he made, a, he made a lentil soup okay and the reason we know that because it's mentioned down below so he made some lentil soup and Esau came from the field and he was faint and Esau said to Jacob feed me I pray thee with that same red pottage for I am faint therefore was he called Edom now Edom was what the area became where he lived later on but that's another story and Jacob said sell me to me this day your birthright sell me this day thy birthright and Esau said behold I am at the point of death point to die and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sweared unto him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way thus Esau despised his birthright so going back to 32 having a bit of the background there back into chapter 32 of Genesis and pick up the story so this is why when he came he had these two women these two wives going back home and he was very frightened that Esau was going to kill him 
And that's why he sent gifts before, and you can read the story, he sent lots of gifts before him to appease his brother Esau. Okay? But I want to pick it up, as I said before, in verse 21. So went the present, alright? The gift over before him, and himself lodged that night in the company. So this is the company of people which were his family, his wives and his servants, and etc, etc. Et and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. Now that word Jabbok It'll have its meaning will become very clear in a minute means emptying or pouring out Jabbok emptying and he took them that is his wife etc and sent them over the brook and sent over that he possessed or all he possessed now was gone over, his family, his wives, his children, his servants, and everything he possessed has now gone over the brook. Okay? It's all gone. Everything he possessed. And that word in the authorised version it says had, it means possessed. So he's left with nothing. There's just this man, Jacob. And we pick it up in verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. And that's the place God has got to bring all of us to. Where all the things that we've trusted in, all our possessions, our wives, our children, etc., etc., our, our livestock, in this case, the cattle and, and, and the sheep and the camels and all the riches that they possessed, had all gone before him and he was left alone and God needs us to come to that place where we are left alone. And because he was now left alone and there was nothing to interfere, no one talking to him, calling him, demanding things of him because he was now left alone there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day or ascending of the dawn literally he was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. This man, Jacob, was a supplanter. He was crooked. He was a crook. He'd already stolen his brother's birthright. That's how wicked his heart was, you see. And Jacob represents every human being that's unregenerate. A crooked the supplanters, every one of us. And if you don't know that, you've never understood your own heart. 
And this man wrestled with him all night long until the break of day. And when the man saw that he prevailed not against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, he wrestled with this supplanter, this crooked Jacob. Who do you think was wrestling with him? There's no mention of him before. Certainly there's a man wrestling with Jacob. And I'm going to read on a bit and I'll come back to that. And because this man didn't prevail, he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, and this is the man that was wrestling with Jacob, let me go for the day breaks. And Jacob said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, except thou bless me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And the man said unto him, <coughs> What is thy name? And he said, Jacob, supplanter, crooked. What is your name? Crooked, supplanter, that's my name. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. And that word there, Yisrael, this is what it means. A prince of God. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men and has prevailed. Can you say that you've prevailed? You see, this man's strength was such that even the angel, the man was an angel. Some people say it was, it was Jesus in, in a different form than what we know him as incarnated. And there is some very much uh, could well be so. But it was certainly God or God's angel that was wrestling with him. And his inner strength, the inner strength, the physical strength and his inner strength of this supplanter was prevailing against God's angel. He would not submit to God's angel. He wrestled. He fought with him. 
Have you ever wrestled with sin? Have you ever wrestled with pride? Have you ever wrestled with the state of your heart and thought, I don't want to be like this? Jacob wrestled with the angel. And so powerful was his crookedness that God had to do something about it. And he touched his thigh. And what actually happened was the very sinew of his thigh shrank. You can read that further down in the passage. The very sinew of his strength. That you do know, I hope, that this is the strongest part of your body here. This bone and this muscle. So when you see people wrestling, and I'm not talking about the phony stuff they do today, bang their hands on the ground, it's all fixed, usually. But, you know, if you've seen a picture of a wrestler, they've got their legs sticking out, haven't they, and pushing and they're wrestling. You've got the picture in your mind. Hmm? Do you have that picture? Can you see it? And they're wrestling. One's trying to overcome the other. That's what wrestling is all about. Someone has got to win. Someone has got to be the one that comes out on top and the other one is defeated. That's the whole point of wrestling. So the supplanter, the crooked man was wrestling against God. That's the picture we need to see because that is actually what was happening. And because he was so his self-will and his physical strength is so strong, God touched his thigh. Who do you think won after that then? Think about it. Who do you think came out on top then? And his strength was such that God had to deal with it. And then because God dealt with it, his name was changed to a prince of God, Israel. Yisrael. And that's what the name means. A prince of God. Because when it says he prevailed, I'll just try and pick it up here. For as, in verse 28, for as a prince thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. He only prevailed because he allowed God to do what he did, to come to that place where God dealt with his supplanterness. I don't know if there's a word, probably, I don't know. His crookedness. Something transpired on that night whereby a man that was called supplanter was called Israel. 
Can you see what I'm saying? He was totally changed from being a supplanter and we're all supplanters. We all want our own way. We all want to be me, to be I. And uh, we're going to go on. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, this is verse 29, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou ask after my name? And he blessed him there. That is, uh, the angel blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. And if you go to South Wales or anywhere in Wales, you'll find lots of chapels and even places. It's a place just outside Carmarthen called Peniel. And the church is called Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. So there you are. Now we know who he was fighting with, who he was wrestling with. He was wrestling with God. Have you wrestled with God yet? Have you let God wrestle with you? If you come to the place where you're on your own, where everything is passed over the brook and you're left alone, just you and God. This is what this is all about. Just you and God, not your family, not your possessions, just you and God. He was left alone. The, all his possessions were gone. And then this angel wrestled with him. And he changed him from being a supplanter, a crooked person, to someone who had power with God and men. Isn't that remarkable? And I want to say to you that God wants to do that in your life. God wants to do that in my life. I believe he has done that in my life I'm quite certain of it so instead of wrestling to get the the higher you know wrestling against God we submit to God and sometimes God's got to come and he's got to take away well every time he's got to come and take away that strength which we have inherited from the first man Adam because God wants you and I to be like his son Jesus Christ come unto me I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest learn of me Jesus said come learn of me for I'm meek and lowly are you like Jacob as I speak to you now, this afternoon. Or are you like Jesus, a prince of God, Israel? Because if, if we don't allow God to deal with that inward rebellion, th that state of heart and mind that thinks I'm going to do my, my own thing. I'm going to make my decisions. I'm going to live my own life. 
I don't want God to come and interfere with it. Well, let me tell you this. He will, if you want him, if you want to be like Jesus, he's got to come and break that stubbornness in all our hearts. Because Jesus is the exact opposite of a crooked supplanter. He is meek and lowly in heart. I hope that's fairly clear. Simple message, but very profound. We're all supplanters until God deals with us. Every one of us. That's, we're born like that. You know, someone can be, oh, she's a pretty little girl, isn't she? And she's sweet. Yes, well, you wait till she wants her own way and you won't give it to her. Well, what's she going to be then? She's, the true person's going to come out. She's going to be lying on the floor in the supermarket, kicking her legs up and down and screaming until you give in. She's a supplanter. You understand? And we're all like that without exception. Every one of us. And what is it we want to supplant? You know what supplant means, don't you? It means to take over another person's will or something like that, like he did with Esau. He supplanted him. He took his birthright from him. And if you keep reading the story around this, you will see what happens? God needed to deal with Jacob because from Jacob came the Old Testament people of Israel to whom he gave his law and through whom came the Lord Jesus Christ. So he needed to deal with him and You'll never be like Jesus Christ and I'll never be like Jesus Christ until God deals with us. You might be the sweetest girl on the planet but I tell you now that you're a supplanter. God doesn't want you to be like that. He wants you to be poor and contrite. I'm going to go back to Isaiah and then I'm going to end. Where is the place of my dwelling? Is it with Jacob, the supplanter, the crook? Is that where God dwells? Isaiah 66, you don't need to turn to it. I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to read it. Now, he was talking Stephen, not Isaiah, Stephen was talking to the religious people of his day who thought they were the people of God. So when God came, this person who was humble and lowly, see this is what God is like, God is humble and lowly 
He's poor in spirit. He was smitten and stricken. If you read Isaiah 53, we esteemed him smitten, stricken of God and afflicted. That's how he was esteemed. And now God is humble and lowly and contrite of spirit. You might think that sounds a contradiction. Isaiah 66 verse 1, Thus saith the Lord, The heavens are my throne, and the earth my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? See, when Jesus was baptized of John in the river Jordan, the, the, uh, the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And God said, so everyone could hear, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The literal translation, the Son of my love. This is the Son of my love in whom and what shape did the Holy Spirit take? In the form of a dove. And what did it do? You can read it. It rested upon him. Go into earlier on in Genesis and you know that God made an end of the world. In a, in, a, in a type, in a picture, and he flooded the world and he Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and the Lord told him to make the boat, the ark which he made pitched it without and within to make it waterproof and then the Lord God flooded the earth and saved eight souls eight souls <laughs> out of all those thousands and thousands of people and uh, he wanted to know whether the waters were abated, whether they stopped raining, whether the waters were gone off the ground so they could come up the boat and he sent out a raven as you know and the raven went and he didn't come back because ravens eat flesh as you probably know I hope you do and then he sent out a dove and the dove came back and we read that she could find no rest for her feet the dove the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove upon Jesus when he was baptized but the dove that Noah sent out could find no rest her feet and eventually sent it out and it came back with an olive branch plucked in her mouth and then they knew Noah knew then that the waters had abated and they could and the Lord eventually allowed them to come out and he made in that picture a new creation the old had gone the new creation had come 
And God wants to rest in you. Where is the place of my rest? You see, we read it here. Where is the place of my rest? Where is God going to rest? Where is the place of my rest? Can you hear God saying that to you this morning? Where is the place of my rest? This is God. Thus saith the Lord. Where is the place of my rest? Can you hear him saying that to you this morning? Where is the place of my rest? But to this one will I look, to the one that is poor and of contrite spirit. The one that is poor and a contrite spirit, the one that is humble and lowly, the one that is smitten. That's where he's going to rest. That's where God will rest. He can't rest anywhere else. He can't rest in a spirit that's not humble and poor and contrite. He won't. He can't because that's his nature. He's humble and poor and contrite. Come and learn of me. Amen. So we're going to end there. Think about these things. Dwell upon them. Meditate on them. Ponder them. This is the word of God. Thus saith the Lord, where is the place of my rest? Has he found it in your life? Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that your word is clear. Lord, you want to deal with the supplanter in all of us. Lord, no matter who we are, you cannot rest in us, Lord, except you come and you do something in us, Lord, that takes away that strength that supplants, that strength that wants to have its own way, wants to do its own thing, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you that Jesus was humble and lowly. Come and learn of me, he said. I'm meek and lowly in heart. And you rested upon him, Lord. You came by your Spirit and rested on the Son of your love. And you remained upon him. And Lord, you want to come and rest on our lives and remain with us, Lord. So Lord, show us, Lord, what we need to do. And show us that we need you need to allow you to do it in our lives, Lord. So we commit this word to you now, in your precious name. Amen. Mm -hmm.